Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, brought to you by Breeden RV Center. Breeden RV Center, family owned and operated, a no pressure, laid back atmosphere, and always home of the free maintenance for life. You're listening to the Hog Talk Podcast, part of the Believe and Hit That Line Podcast Network. With us on the line is the voice of the Arkansas Razorbacks, Chuck Barrett. Hey, former guest of the show, Coach Mike Neighbors from the Arkansas women's basketball team. We have from ESPN's Around the Horn, Highly Questionable, also a two-time Dan Lebetard Show Suey winner and the <laughs> former heptathlete at Cornell, Sarah Spain. And we are happy to be joined by Martrell Spate. Mr. Phil Elson, the voice of Razorback baseball and the Ladybacks. Yo, what's going on? Welcome. We're live from the Heinemann Services Studio. It is the Friday Hog Talk Pod. I'm the host, Ty Hudson. Alongside me, Kyle Sutherland. How you doing? Nice, cold, and trying to stay warm at least, man. Uh, We're melting a little bit down here in central Arkansas. I know you guys have got a little bit worse conditions, but uh, things, Mm. school and work will be in session as uh, we're dropping this pod today, so we're getting back... uh, to our normal schedule at least until next week when the next round of winter weather comes in but how are things up there in nwa you know frozen cold <laughs> nothing like uh you know the, the roads are are bad when it first hit we already had a we already had a wreck over on 49 uh towards rogers there's a, i think that's the only somewhat severe wreck i'm sure there's others that i've missed but like you you guys look man i, I try to stay away from the roads in this crap uh, so I, I'm, I'm out in left field when it comes to understanding what it's like having to go up and down 49 as it is, but with the added ice on the roads, oh my goodness, I want no part of that. So you guys be careful out there. If you're listening to us driving up and down anywhere, it doesn't matter 49, uh, you know, you got this, this stuff happening over in, uh, uh, in Texas, that pile up on the highway over there. Oh, that was terrible. That's, yes. A hundred cars. A hundred cars, five confirmed um, fatalities as of 5.24 p.m. on the 11th. I mean, that's just, that's brutal, man. That's awful. So, yeah, I, you know, it's 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 dangerous out there. Cold. My wife did, I'm not supposed to say this publicly. I wasn't supposed to come out and talk about this, but I'm, you know, I'm her husband. What else am I supposed to do with this with this information? But apparently she slipped and fell at work today or yesterday. So, so coach uh, neighbors isn't alone. Uh, the only he's one he's not that, alone. I'm sure there's quite a few people that got caught on video doing that. <laughs> I, was, I was so hoping someone would come out with a video of seeing her fall. She's look, she's not, she's not gifted in the department of uh, balance. Let's just say, and she, <laughs> I, I say this. And as soon as we're done recording, I'm going to get up and I'm going to get slapped in the face. I know she can hear me on the uh, other side of the door here. So switching over though, we've hey we've got we've still got sports going on. I know the big game is over with Kyle, but we've still got some stuff going on, right? We do NBA, college basketball, NHL for you hockey fans. It's that time of year, definitely uh, with all the ice speaking of, and they're all in full swing. And the only place you should be placing your bets is BetOnline.ag. It even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. I mean, during the big game, they even had which 
to my knowledge, I thought that it was the first year, but apparently for a long time they've been taking bets on how long the national anthem would be. But with Bet Online, you've got hundreds of props with real time odds on almost anything you can imagine. And of course, the online casino that never closes. So head to Bet Online today and you can receive 50% off of your welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. There you go. How how awesome is that? For those of you that that get in on that action, get in on it. Go do it. I know a few people. They gamble on quite a few things. Um, pretty crazy, the kind of stuff that you, that you can actually bet on. Uh, so, yeah, you guys go take part in that. We're going to start off first with some recruiting news. And, and Kyle, I know you've got a whole bunch of stuff we're going to talk about here. And, and this is the content, man, that I love the most is talking about recruiting. I absolutely, I breathe this stuff in. I eat it. You know, it's it's the best kind of content when you're talking about recruiting, especially when it comes to the Razorbacks. Uh, coming out of a top 25 class, right? 20, uh, 21. Yeah, class. 21 was, I, I know they were ranked as high as 21. Now Sam Pittman's first class was 30th, and he had some virtual visits this past mm-hmm. week. You got names like Kelvin Banks Jr., an offensive tackle, four-star out of Humble, Texas, Summer Creek High School. He's 36th overall, it looks like, in the class. Fourth offensive tackle and sixth prospect in Texas, Derek Brown, weak side defensive end out of Texarkana High. Devontae Sitson, he is a running back four-star out of Lake Charles Prep. Felix Hickson, defensive tackle out of Georgia. He's got offers. A lot of these guys have some pretty big-time offers. I saw quite a few SEC in there. He, in particular, has Florida, Florida State, and Georgia. Miles Rouser, he is a big-time safety. Looks like Michigan is the favorite right now, but he's the 10th-ranked safety in the 22 class. And then Quayshawn Sapp, I thought that when I saw I he saw he was from Georgia, and I wondered if he had any kind of relations to Warren Sapp. I haven't seen anything about that, but he does have an offer from Miami where Warren attended LSU, Florida State, Georgia, Florida, and even Bama. But the big one everybody's got their eyes on right now is Rashad Dubinion. He's a 5'10", 170-pound, all-purpose back out of Cedar Grove High School in Ellenwood, Georgia. He is committing tomorrow. So we'll be dropping this Friday. He is committing on February 13th, Saturday, and he is crystal ball to go to Arkansas. It's looking very, very promising. He's got Auburn, Florida, Florida State, Michigan, Ole Miss, among many, many others. Right now he's not ranked, but uh, or at least he's not ranked composite. I think that he might have a ranking on 247, but uh, very, very uh, highly touted prospect that seems like that Arkansas has been on for quite some time. And so it's going to get really interesting, Ty, because you've got running back. James Joyner is another big prospect for 2022. He's got over 25 D1 offers. Uh, I've gotten all, I think in total, he's got around like 35 to 40. But then earlier, before we started recording, we saw that Joe Hyman, the the running back that I have raved about for I don't even know how long now, he uh, from Pulaski Academy. He got his first SEC offer from the university from Elia Drinkwitz in the University of Missouri, and so things are going to get really interesting. There's a lot of running back prospects that uh, have a lot of quality talent that the Razorbacks have offered and are going after, and so it's going to be interesting to see if the Hogs eventually do give Joe that offer, considering it's looking like that Rashad is going to be coming on board. But man, I'm telling you, it's just there. There is just so many things that Joe Hyman can do, man. I mean, not just at running back, but at receiver. Some people try to say that he's a product of the Pulaski Academy system. I think that he's a pure raw talent. I saw him play four times this past season, and, and every single time he was just a play waiting to ha- a big play waiting to happen. But 
it is looking like that the next commitment is going to be Rashad DeBinion that uh, is, we haven't had a commitment in a while. It seemed like for a little bit there, six, seven, eight months ago, that we were getting all kinds of recruits every week or all kinds of commits every single week. But uh, look for that on Saturday, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with Joe Hyman and the other running backs that Arkansas has offer, uh, offered for 2022. Of course, again, they have not offered Joe Hyman, but at least the ones that they're interested in. So right now, Arkansas has three commits for this class. Uh, Eli Henderson, and you mentioned how like back and forth it was there. I mean, you're not wrong. I think it was like three weeks straight. You you had at least somebody commit. Uh, Eli Henderson, I'm going backwards in time here, but he 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 committed on the 10th of August uh, of last year. Six foot four, 290 pound guard. Uh, JJ Hollingsworth, right down the road from where I'm at, up there in uh, in Greenland. Uh, he committed on July 24th, so they're, they're, we're going backwards. Uh, but he committed 6'4", 250-pound defensive end. And then Dax Courtney, everyone, a lot of people pretty excited about him, think that he's pretty underrated. 6'6", 210-pounder. He recruit, or he committed on the 8th. So we just kind of did a full circle there. But So that's two out of, uh, out of Arkansas, one, one uh, kid, Eli Henderson, out of South Carolina. So... Right now, I mean, it's super duper early, but you are ranked top six in the SEC according to two four seven and top twenty five. We know that'll change. I did not think they would stick. You know, I, I didn't think they'd stay top twenty five after the second and final uh, signing period this year. And right now, I'm not counting anything out with Sam Pittman. Uh, you know, being the guy here, being the head coach, we know how well a guy could recruit when he was at Arkansas's offensive line coach. So. With all the coaching changes, it kind of makes you wonder what effect that'll have. And you look at the in-state prospects. I mean, Kyle, we've talked about it. You talked about Hyman. You've got two four-star tackles in the state. Isaiah Santagna down at Fayetteville, whose offers are just piling up. A five foot eleven, hundred and seventy-pound wideout for the Purple Dogs. Go Purple Dogs! Yeah, Caden, Caden Turner also. Uh, Caden Purple Turner. Dogs got all kinds of big-time offers. Um, Projected been, yeah. to go out of state. Yeah. People are saying that him and Santegna are both looking out of state. Now, I, I right now, I think they're crystal balled, or at least Santegna is at 100% to Arkansas. But I think we're going to need to keep a close eye on him and, and all these kids. But right now, outside of Quincy McAdoo in your top 10, I think Arkansas, I do think they eventually offer Hyman, man. I just, I just do. I don't know how you let someone like that out of the state. I don't believe he's a role player or, or a whatever with Pulaski Academy. I don't think that's the case. I've seen his video. You talked me into it. I started watching more video after talking to you guys and uh, or seeing what you were saying in our group chat. And I'm like, all right, I need to keep another, I need to take another look at this kid. And I'm watching him and I'm like, he's explosive as hell. I mean, he's he looks like he's got great vision. He hits the outside edge really fast. I mean, he's agile. He's Hella athletic. Again, he's 5'9", 175 pounds. I've heard that thrown out there. It's something to do with his size. But hello, Traylon Smith is 5'9", 185 pounds. So you're telling me that Hyman Hyman looks like he could definitely, he's got the frame to add on to that weight or to add on to that, to his size. So I'm pretty, this is a, this is a pretty good, I'm not going to lie, this is a pretty good class. This, well, uh, and I wanted to add about Dax Courtney real quick. I sent this screenshot to you guys last, he and I are Facebook friends and I've talked to his dad. I actually played against his dad when I was in high school and his dad was coaching at Dumas at the time and now obviously at DeWitt. 
and uh, Dax posted a picture. I don't think he would mind telling me about telling everybody about this, but he was in a hospital bed on Facebook, and I, it looked like he had had ACL surgery. So I messaged him. I said, "Hey, man, you know, did, did you tear your ACL?" And he said, "Just like like it was nothing." Uh, that he tore a ligament in week three, and it wasn't just a ligament. It was a ligament that holds his kneecap into place. So basically the entire season, he pretty much just taped it and played the whole year. And I was like, man, you know, what in the world? What? Oh. And his response was, is, you know, I'm not going to let my brothers down. And, you know, that's – look, I understand that some people could think that's cliche talk, but that's the kind of attitude. We haven't had that kind of grit and I'm not saying that there's not players on the team with that right now, but that's exactly what that's where it starts. That's what Sam Pittman's looking for. He's going to play if he if he's walking, if he can get out there, if he's not dead, or if he is walking, he's going to come out there and play. And once Dax gets some weight on him, I, I feel really good about what he can do. He can jump up and get the ball. I, I think he's actually a pretty good blocker too. But um, you know, just uh, like a lot of the kids that I've been able to talk to around the state this year, just uh, very respectful and carries himself. You, that's a level of toughness that you love to see and you love to have it, especially someone that age. I mean, we all know, we always talk smack, right? I'm sure our, our parents talk smack about our generation. We kind of do the same thing with these younger millennials. We do the same thing. You know, all, they're all soft. You see a kid like that, putting it all out there. It's, uh, it's, it's good to see and fighting through that. Like you said, that's, that's hella grit. That's what that is. Uh, all right. Arkansas. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes, basketball went on the road. They beat Kentucky at Rupp. I think everyone knew this game. You talk about grit. This team left it all out on the floor, man. And honestly, I think Arkansas, when you take a second look at how well they performed and how well Kentucky played, this is the best they've played all year. And I know that's not saying much. They're 5-13. and 13. I get it. That's not saying a whole lot. But they are 4-7 and seven in conference. They, they went toe-to-toe with some pretty good programs this year. Arkansas played their rear ends off at Rupp. I was so impressed with their physicality and just their, their level of effort and energy. And I mean, you know, you had guys playing with injuries. They find a way. They did have at one point a 10-point lead, and they, they end up, of course, Kentucky starts knocking down threes left and right, Kyle. But Arkansas wins 81-80, to 80, man. I, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, they did exactly what they had to do. And I understand there was plenty of people coming out saying, why are you going to be – this excited about beating a team with five wins. And I, I see that mm-hmm. side of it, but man, it doesn't matter. You're at Rupp and you get another win. And I, I've said, Zach Arn said it when we had him on a couple weeks ago, and I wholeheartedly agree. I think that you want to shoot higher than this, but nine and nine is going to get you into the SEC tournament. You've still got a, you've got AM twice with the postponement, and it's looking like that uh, they are probably going to be a team that you can and should beat. But then you get into the meat of the schedule again. You had a top-loaded schedule there at the beginning of SEC play. You've got Bama again. You've got LSU, and you got Mizzou this weekend mm-hmm. who's coming off getting thrashed by Ole Miss. And that's what kind of scares you is you're going to their place, and they're uh, they're going to be PO'd they're coming off a 21-point loss that they def- of a team that they definitely shouldn't have lost to. Nothing against Ole yeah. Miss. They play some feisty defense. They've just – except for the other night, uh, they've had some problems shooting the ball this year. But, you know, back to Kentucky, man, I, I got to give some props to Connor Vanover. Just what, the way that he's played the last three games, you know, against Oklahoma State, had nine points but five blocks, 13 points against Mississippi State, and then 12 points against UK. And uh, he's just really played he, – he, he's done the things 
that you've asked him to do. Look, you know, I understand that some people want to see a double-double from him every single game, and they have all these expectations <laughs> just because of his height and because he can stretch the floor. But, you know, guys like what he's – the way that he has stepped up, the way Devo Davis has stepped up, man, those – Devo didn't really have great stats the other night, but the, the stats that he did have, and he's done this all season, the stats that he does create – just means so much as he had two steals and that steal that he had at the end was obviously the biggest that that, that might have been one of the bigger moments of this season um and he has meant a lot yeah. to this you know desi has had an off year now some of that uh is you know i know he, he hurt his shoulder um was it against mississippi state uh just really uh went down really hard he thought that he might have broken his collarbone but uh, you know, you just had guys step up here and there. Jalen Tate has played a lot better, and so you're you're starting to really see these guys put it together. They've won five of their last six. They're doing what they should be doing. But now you've really got to prove it against the Alabamas, the LSU's, and the Missouri's. That's weird. That's weird to say. It's weird Very to say. Weird. You, you got to prove it against who? Against like the teams that have so underachieved in the SEC for the longest amount of time. I know Mizzou's been off and on. LSU's been off and on. Oh, money stacks over their weight, having all that bought and paid for talent on the floor. I will not stop saying that. I, I It's so strange to think, I, you know, at the beginning of the year, I remember looking at this part of the schedule going, eh, I mean, you know, LSU's going to be tough, but like you could seriously end the year pretty decent. And as the year carried on, yeah, now these are these are the top dogs in the conference, especially with Florida and and uh, and Bama, and as obviously Mizzou, who's top ten. I'm not sold that Mizzou's a top ten program. I'm just not. Are they top twenty five? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I'm going to be honest with you guys. I know I used to do. I don't really do pregame shows on PTN anymore for basketball, but I do post games. This kind of is the pregame show for those of you who who, who watch over there. I don't like Arkansas in this game. I just don't. You watched how they played in the, fir- the first time around. I know Arkansas played some ugly basketball, and Mizzou wasn't exactly pretty either, and they're not exactly on a super hot streak right now, especially coming off that ugly loss to, to Ole Miss. I still don't know how the hell that happened, 80-59. to 59. But I think that's part of like what you just said. They're, they're going to be pissed. They're mad. Uh, swear jar, where are you? I don't know where you're at. <laughs> hey, hell's not you're, that bad. I'll give you a pass on that one. Well, well, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> that goes a long way. We, uh, I, I just, I don't like their odds in this one. I just don't. And I, I think too, the strange thing is toe to toe Arkansas talent wise could match up with anybody in the league, including top 25, top 10 Mizzou and LSU and bam. I, I know LSU is not ranked, but, uh, I, I don't see why if they come in and play their best game of basketball, yeah, they could beat Mizzou. But I just I don't know if that happens with them coming in angry. And I think the way they play too, I think it's something to do with a matchup. It's kind of a problem there the way they play right now. Mizzou is six and four in conference play, thirteen and four overall record. Arkansas is obviously seven and four, fifteen and five. This is a this is a big 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 quad one win. This would. That I don't know how. I mean, Lenardi in his most recent in his most recent uh, bracketology, he has Arkansas in. I don't have it in front of me where he had Arkansas. I thought I had it pulled up on my phone, uh, but I do not. I but he has Arkansas either. in. So I like this is a game that would definitely bolster your your uh, you know Joe Lenardi's opinion of you, and then of of course the selection committee. This would be something they would look at. This would be the most high profile win you've had of the year. But Arkansas is kind of 
Every opportunity they've had this year to play teams like this and to show up and play great basketball, they fall flat on their face. I think something close. I don't think they get ran out of the building, but I think I think they're going to find a way to lose this one. Yeah, this just, would be a huge statement win. I mean, I, I agree with you because of the situation with Missouri coming off a loss like that. I think that they are going to be just extremely mad. But like you said, if they are able to pull it out, uh, if they, if they weren't coming off of this, I would probably pick Arkansas just because of the momentum that they have. But I mean, you look at this: mm-hmm. if they are able to pull it out, four top ten wins, you beat the, the number six team twice. Illinois being the first one, and then Tennessee was in there. And I think the first time they beat Tennessee, yeah. they were seven. So yeah, this would be that statement win that you're looking for. And then the next one that you would really look to, you know, you want to look at it game by game, obviously. But the, then you get look to Alabama. I know LSU's in there as well, but I really wonder. I know that – well, I, I shouldn't say that. I was going to say I wonder I wonder what the LSU game would have been without uh, if you would have had Justin Smith, but that was a pretty big blowout too. But I think yeah. that the talent level with LSU and Arkansas is a lot closer than LSU. And Well, I, I don't even know if I would say talent. I think I would say more so the seniority, just the way that Alabama, their team has played together a lot longer. They just have more they, – they've gelled together, had plenty more time. But – like I was saying earlier, I think that you have seen this Razorback team play together. There was a lot of questions a month ago of whether this team was. You know, we were hearing the rumors. If you read Hogville or or Mess, that's why it's, it's that rat poison <laughs> saying that this team was ready to fight each other and that Mus yeah. was going to be gone. You know, just man, uh, and and you know the tide could turn. We got a. This was a month ago, and we still got about three weeks left in the regular season before we get into SEC play. But I I don't think that there's a I doubt that there's been any division into this team outside of frustration with the way things were going when Justin Smith was not on the floor. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and that's that's why it was so huge to get him back. The timing of getting him back and letting him get a few games in to come back to his old self. I still don't know if he's 100%, but Justin Smith, you you know his presence. When he's out there, he's out there, man. He'll, he, it's pretty well known. I mean, you don't you don't see the stats – pile up but I mean he's he's physical he just plays with that kind of chip on his shoulder that we love to see so looking at Mizzou though and I I I looked at this the other night and I thought oh I just I don't like their odds at all this makes it even worse they do have some confusing losses this year like they went on the road and they lost to Auburn lost that one by five went on the road lost to Mississippi State 78 to 63 but then like they go on the road and they thrash Arkansas 81 to 68 but you know they're most their only loss at home, by the way, is to a top 10 at the time, number seven, Tennessee, which they lost by 20 points, right? And then you, you look back on this Ole Miss loss, 80 to 59. They're a weird team. I would argue they're just not very good on the road. And that also means they're going to struggle in tournament play. If you can't play hot anywhere else but home, outside of in Fayetteville and Bud Walton Arena, uh, but if you can't play well away from home, you're not going to go far. We know that from Mike Anderson's years, right? Yeah. I mean, Mike Anderson yeah, Mike struggled Anderson. on the road. Yeah, well, and he had that big win the other night and then uh, crapped the bed. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was against uh, Butler. And I, I got to correct myself here real quick. While I've, that when I said number seven, Tennessee, that was the 20-point loss that you just said. So they've got yep. three top ten. My bad. I had that wrong. But, yeah, they, they lost 73-53 to 53, uh, to Tennessee mm-hmm. when they were number seven. So still the three top ten wins. But, yeah, that man, you know, we're all rooting for Mike Anderson. They had won six out of seven at St. Joe, and I, I think it was Butler that they uh, lost to. But man, that's just we love Mike. But God, man, he'll get that big win, and then he'll play a team that's five hundred or lower, and <laughs> or lower, we'll always yeah. lose. Man, it's just that's the way yeah. it goes. Well, and it's like people say after they beat uh, who was their big win 
I had a. It was Villanova. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Villanova. I, I thought for some reason I was yeah. thinking Marquette, but they uh, they get that win. Everyone on Twitter's like, "This is the mistake. We shouldn't have let him go." Whatever. It's like you know what? Sometimes guys just don't work out at certain jobs. I don't know how many times I've had to have that conversation on PTN or even here. It's been a while, but Mike Anderson just didn't work out here. I mean, he was here for for a good long time, almost a decade, right? I mean, he was here for eight years. Never could really get you over the hump. He built a wonderful foundation in Fayetteville. He really did. I mean, what he was handed versus what he left, it was so much better when he left, right? Yeah. Like the reputation of Arkansas basketball was yeah. at least Well, better. and I, I think a big thing, Ty, was is, you, of course, you can't really blame. Like 2017, they were right there about to be the future national champs in North Carolina. So it's, you know, like yeah. like we've all agreed on is he got you to the tournament in most years, but the thing is we just couldn't quite get over that hump. But I, I think the big thing was – he does not. He's known to not really have great relationships with NBA coaches, and in today's basketball, you have to have that, especially in the P5 with all these oh, one-and-done yeah. players. And also, too, it's like when he left, they didn't feel like that. They, you know, Must did what he could with a small team last year, but it was like, well, you know, Gafford's gone. What do we have as far as bigs now? And I just feel like that that he wasn't recruiting to a consistent level to keep his teams balanced no. out. So it was really just a lot of that and also to the lack. And, again, I can't confirm that deal with the NBA coaches, but I heard it quite from multiple people, um, respectable yeah. names that, that I trust. And so I think that those were really the main two things, not necessarily what he was doing on the court. Yeah, I agree. And we do wish him the best. I mean, I really, I'm, I'm rooting for him. I am. I think, I think Musselman as it as it looks right now, I, uh, I, I like him. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's he's going to win you a title. Or he's going to be the coach to get Arkansas over that, you know, getting you past game two in the tournament. I don't know. I liked what I've seen. I liked his recruiting. I don't mind that he goes to the transfer portal. I really don't. If it works, it works. You look at the guys from the transfer portal this year that have worked out. You know, the guys that you've picked up. I mean, they've been okay. Not all of them have been great. You know, and and Connor comes to mind. You know, and obviously Justin Smith, and so on and so forth. But uh, I, I, I'm pretty impressed by what I've seen this year, outside of like three performances, right? Like outside of three games, and they don't have a meaningful win. It's time to get that meaningful win. You got to do it. You got to start. I know Lenardi still has them in, but you know, I mean, we've seen that before, where Lenardi or, or whatever, whatever bracketology, whatever brackets you're looking at love Arkansas up until like the final three or four games. So, and then obviously into the, uh, into the tournament, uh, SEC tournament. So we'll see how they, they handle this. They have quite the difficult schedule out in front of them. They're favored right now. And I didn't even know this till I sat down and opened this up before you and I start talking. They're favored according to the matchup predictor on ESPN. The, the basketball power index has them at 52% over Mizzou. That's, I'm a little surprised by that. Yeah, I am too. They've actually given you know I know that we like to say as a, a fan base as a whole that Arkansas doesn't get any respect. They've actually gotten a little bit more respect than I've ex especially coming off of that bad stretch that they had early in SEC play. They've gotten a little more respect than I think we're giving credit for. It's true. It's true. No lies detected. So, man, I, I know this is a little bit, and we're going to go to break here in just a minute. Before we go to break, what is what is up? With the hog on hog violence on Twitter, I, you know, I, I'm gonna, 
I will just say, um, based on what I heard from Ruskin on the radio, it seems like if that's what you're talking about with the Ruskin and Zach Bobby Bones thing. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it's that, and you also had Pinto and Joe Klein. Yeah, well, I will say this, man. Klein came after Pinto's throat, so I I mean, I got to kind of take Pinto's side on this. I mean, he said you're almost wrong, and so my thing is, well, if he's almost wrong, then he's right. So, I mean. It's 50-50, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, what the and hell Jimmy, is and, you know, Jimmy Dykes. Jimmy Dykes. Dykes is a coward. I'll say that on, I'll go on record and say that I, I can't stand the guy. I'll just be honest. I've told coach, I'll say it out loud. I don't care. I've told coach neighbors that I didn't follow women's basketball before he was the coach. Not necessarily because I didn't care about the program, but I didn't like Tom Collin and I don't like Jimmy Dykes. I don't like either one yeah. of those guys. I think they're, I think Tom Collin was just a straight up jerk. It's, there's a difference between being a hard coach and a jerk. And Tom Collin very much crossed that line. And Jimmy Dykes was just a, no, he was a coward. That's really what he boils down to. And, you know, look no further than what Malika Monk said on Twitter. Look, that's you don't like it from my mouth. Look at it from the, as they say, and I'm saying figuratively here, straight from the horse's mouth because she played for him. And she's not the only person that would say that, I promise you. So, you know, it, Pinto was exactly right that this program was on some really tough times. And a lot of that was because of, you know, Jimmy Dykes came in, be Arkansas, be this, be that. And he was just, and I'm not talking about not, I mean, look, he came in, he won an NCAA tournament game his first year, but then he just did some things that I certainly didn't agree with that a lot of people didn't agree with. And so, uh, you know, I definitely take, not that it really, my opinion matters, but I definitely take Pinto's side on that. And then Joe Klein hits the block button. I mean, I don't really understand that. He was just talking to him, Yeah, but uh, the whole thing with, or go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know. I don't know what was blockable there. And I get like, that's, I don't get it. That's the, that's Twitter. Like you can do whatever you want. I don't, I've only ever blocked. I think one person that's because they were like, well, no, two people. They're harassing me. And I had another guy threatened to meet me in person. And I'm like, all right, cool, whatever. And I blocked him. I mean, that's like, to me, that's pretty obvious stuff that you're going to block. But I mean, Pinto had an opinion and Klein disagreed. And by the way, Klein hopped on his. Yeah, Klein on quote tweeted him. Yeah, he quote tweeted yeah. him. So I mean, that's what it was. He quote tweeted. Yeah, him. You're right. Yeah. So, but the whole thing with Bobby Bones, crazy. Um, and I, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't have a problem with Bobby Bones. I mean, I, I respect where he came from. He's talked about he came from a really tough life in Mountain Pine, and he's gotten to where he was. I respect that. I've just never really yeah. cared for his programming. It's not necessarily that I don't care for him. I just don't really listen to ninety five points. I don't listen to the new style, new school country and stuff. So I don't really listen to his program. I don't have a problem with him, but there's clearly some beef. And and I'll say this because Ruskin went on live radio and said it that uh, you know we just had Ruskin on a couple of weeks ago on the show, and he uh, said that there was some stuff dating back to the Bielema days that uh, they had some problems with, and so uh, that's really what seems to be going on right now is just kind of that's what crazy. we've been able to see in public, um, but. You know, it happens, man. It's it. It's all good. We we've had some beef between you know uh, from our network, the ESPN Arkansas network, and another radio network earlier this summer. You know, it's just one of those things. Uh, <laughs> we it sure happens. did. And um, you know, <laughs> sure you, it happens, and you you talk a little junk and you move on. That's what it. Boils yeah, down to. and that that is the world of social media. It's unlike anything. Like I grew up listening to Chuck Barrett, right? Like this was not something. This is not something you would expect to talk about because social media obviously didn't exist outside of maybe. Well, no, nothing existed. When Chuck had his daily show, you didn't have this kind of stuff. I don't even think MySpace was around. So it is, it's new territory. And I thought it was fascinating because, yeah. my God, man, we're all Hog fans at the end of the day. Let Bobby Bones go out and be Bobby Bones and, and rep the Hogs. What's wrong with giving the Razorbacks that kind of spotlight, right? It's like Justin Moore. 
I, you guys know me. I'm a rock metal. I've got all sorts of different genres of music we used to do the intros with. I love all that kind of stuff. Not a big country guy, but I, I love that he's out there talking about the Razorbacks. My God, SEC Network gave him his own, like, get his own almost episode on on uh, on the SEC Network talking about his love of the Hogs. Bobby Bones doing the same thing, right? I mean, he's a big name. I don't I don't understand calling them out publicly or whatever. If you've got beef with them personally, maybe do that in the dms i don't i don't know why we got to you know, hate on folks of course bobby bones was on uh, a good portion of the kentucky game on the phone with those guys as they were calling the game on that on his phone which was crackly like it, the the call quality was terrible it's kind of hard to hear him i had to turn my speakers up but uh, i don't i don't understand the hate there i just don't but hey whatever we're going to talk about it cuz that's kind of what we do here we're going to discuss all things hogs and that includes a little bit of major media drama between these people so hey i, res- is, I respect everybody involved except for jimmy dykes i i, I respect bobby oh, bones man. i respect uh derek ruskin he's big you know ruskin and zach they become friends of ours and i mean i respect joe klein uh i respect everybody involved but but uh but jimmy dykes so did not like the way he called that game at the end he said there was virtually no contact there are you high as a kite do you not see a Razorback with a headband getting it slapped off his face. I understand that. So I, I guess that wasn't who the foul was called on. Regardless, that should have been a foul. If if you're going to say the other one wasn't, okay, let's call it makeup for the one that didn't get called. My God, how did you not see the contact? I I, I can't believe I forgot about this uh, before we started recording. I, I should have made a mental note somewhere, but I, I, I'm surprised at that, that they did not, that first off, that Jimmy Dykes would, would go to that level and say that he didn't see anything and kind of adamantly back that up. And I'm over here like, what the hell are you talking about? Like he's, that was clearly a foul. So I I think he does this thing where I don't think he's angry at the university. Was he angry at, at a certain athletic director at the time? That's completely possible, right? I'm sure that might be the case. I don't think he has any grudge against the university of Arkansas. I think he tries to cover up his bias of Arkansas, but we got to remember his ties to Kentucky also. So maybe he's biased. Maybe it's a case of being more biased towards Kentucky. I don't know. Everyone complains about every announcer that ever calls the Razorback games outside of a couple of guys. I get that, but uh, I did not like the way he called that game. I, I didn't. And I probably have complained a lot about the announcers this year, especially on the SEC network. But uh, yeah. Okay. We're up against the break. Stick around. Next up, we're going to talk baseball, and we're going to answer your Discord questions. Coming up, stick around. With American National, you get a dedicated agent who will help you make well-informed decisions about protecting your lifestyle. Call us today for a free review of your commercial, home, and auto policies, or to learn more about our customizable farm and ranch insurance. Let the Atkins Agency be your agency of choice. You can visit us on the web at theatkinsagency.com. Call us at 501-428-0877 or connect with us through Facebook. Go Hogs! Located in Fayetteville, Rapology is your top spot for banners, signs, and wraps. From commercial fleet wraps, color changes, vinyl decals, and much more, they take care of you in a timely and professional manner. Call Rapology today at 479-368-6490. Again, that's 479-368-6490. The Hawk Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family-owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handyman. 
They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. All right, welcome back. Appreciate you guys sticking around. Don't forget, rate and review the podcast when this is over with. Go uh, go give us some star power. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to leave us a written review, that would be, well, that'd be pretty sweet if you do that. Uh, so I know we, we don't have our, you know, we've got Porter who covers women's basketball so well. And then, of course, Cabo, Kevin Bohannon, who does, who does baseball really well. Uh, Kyle and I, I'm, I'm not even going to lie about it. I'm so out in left field right now on the Razorbacks. I'm, I plan on doing as much reading and research and of course, listening to, I mean, we've had Phil Elson on here and Bubba, like I need to get caught up on all the baseball that I can. It's crunch time coming up because the season's right around the corner. Uh, but so Arkansas, Kyle rated well, given a top three in the SEC West by the, uh, what is that? Is that the AP that gave them the top three? I believe it was or, the NBA. Uh, yeah, they're they're ranked third in the West, um, and then had four first team selections. Um, for, none of uh, which are pitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, <laughs> I well, and that's the thing. Say. Anywhere from I, I've seen us ranked anywhere from eighth to like the mid twenties, and of course, there's a bunch of Arkansas fans that are upset about that. But man, how could you be upset when you saw the pitching last year? Now, Connor Nolan started off the weekend. Now it was against I think it was was it Eastern Illinois that we began the series with uh, on Valentine's weekend. But he, so. he was an ace, pitched he, – he struck out, uh, I think it was 13 batters around. I know it was over 10. Wiki had a really good weekend. Uh, Blake Adams struggled a little bit. As a freshman, he, he ended up uh, in a few relief roles there. But, man, we just don't know what we have with pitching. They didn't look good in the fall. Mm-hmm. So that's really what it's going to boil down to. Now, of course, you've got to replace bats like Casey Martin. you got to replace bats like Heston Kerstad. Now, it's great having Casey Opitz back. We had Bobby Wernis on, former player, now volunteer coach, last week that Cabo talked with. And we were planning on having Cabo on. He's uh, he's on the pup list right now. He had some uh, surgery earlier, so uh, he's recovering. Best wishes <laughs> to, to you, yeah. Cabo. Look forward to having you next week. But, but yeah, I mean, it's – I don't really think that the the problem with you know you look at Jalen Battles, Robert Moore, and uh, and Jake Nesbit, Jacob Nesbit there in the infield, and that's I think it was uh, with Battles and Robert Moore that said that that might be the the most lethal possible double play combination that we've ever had in school history. Uh, that was straight from Dave Van Horn's mouth. To think about all the great players that he's coached, and so you know we've got plenty of skill. I think on the defensive side, and even though we've got some unproven bats, but it's really about what are we going to do on the mound. We've got a lot of arms. We've got a lot of young arms. But Connor Nolan, he's got to step up. He quit football. I, I said that very maliciously. It, he, he quit football to focus strictly on pitching. Uh, and that, and I think that's what most people believe that he should have done. Not that it matters what anybody else thinks, but that was certainly a right decision. I still think, but he's got a lot to prove, man. Um, he's got a lot to prove just because he, he, he did struggle outside of that first start on opening day last year, Patrick Wicklander, a guy that has shown so much promise that, uh, you know, he, he had a lot of hype coming into, I think he's from California and he's got a rebound as well. Blake Adams, he's going to be a freshman. I think he, I guess, since last year, uh, he gets that uh, that freshman tab back, and so um, there's so many of them. You know, Peyton Pella and then uh, Caleb Bolden coming off of Tommy John surgery. 
You can just go down the list. There's so many guys, and we've got guys that are throwing consistent 95, 96s, man. And and so um, there's there's so much talent, just like there always is every year. Just they reload with all this talent. So I'm consi- signed consistent top five classes, but it's just really going to boil down to you know what can we do on the mound, and and you know there's plenty of other places too that we're going to have to. I think catcher is probably the only one that you can feel extremely solid about, and with Jake Nesbitt. Uh, there at third base, and Robert Moore has proved a lot already too. But um, there's just a lot of questions, and you know, only playing 16 games last year will do that to you. Well, the schedule is—I mean, it's brutal. It's there's no line about it. February 19th, you're going to start off against Texas in Arlington, and then you're going to turn around and play uh, Texas Tech, and then TCU down there in the—I uh, forgot what they call that that tournament. It's uh, the so last year it was the um the Shriners. They change it last year it right? was the Shriners in Houston which was just I, I was you know I was still in San Antonio at the time and I was planning on going to that Houston was about two and a half hours away from me thank God I yeah. didn't because that was a really really bad weekend uh, I forgot what this one is too um it's you know it's February nineteenth through the twenty first know that yep. I can't remember the exact title of it this is when we're really this is like me right now you know uh, trying to it's not quite as bad as me trying to struggle through hockey stats. And hockey names, uh, like I've been trying to do, man. We've been trying to give hockey some coverage, the due down, the due diligence that they uh, should get, and all the because I mean, mm. man, they're a really dang good team. But uh, I always struggle with the names. But right now, this is when I could really use Cabo to remember that uh, remember right. that tournament name. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, a couple of years ago when when Jacob and I started doing this, we were we were up on baseball. Like I felt like, man, we could really focus on baseball this year. You know, obviously, stuff going on here at home, and everyone's dealing with the COVID, and I'm just so far behind baseball. But yeah, they start like you said at this whatever the hell this tournament is down in uh, down in Arlington on the 19th through the 21st, and then you turn around, you got to play Semo. We know the history there, right? Murray State, Louisiana Tech on the road at Louisiana Tech. Someone's going to have to explain that to me. Why the hell we're going on the road to play Louisiana Tech? I would imagine. Like, scheduling because of covid uh that's that's, that's right. what i would think of um to mm-hmm. kind of similar to the basketball scheduling but i, I mean that that's the only thing that i can think of out it of probably it. is it probably is and i think they've done this before where they've traveled to you know some places you wouldn't expect obviously like football or basketball probably wouldn't travel baseball i get it it's set up a little bit differently you turn around march 16th this is a big one at bomb oklahoma that's going to be awesome. I think they're actually projected to be pretty good over there in the Big 12. Big 12 baseball is legit. Like, oh, look, yeah. we, we could talk all the smack we want about football, but baseball, the Big 12 is pretty legit. And then you're at home again. I tell you, man, the month of March is beautiful. You're at home again to Alabama. And then uh, Memphis for a couple of games for the midweek series. And then you're back on the road against Mississippi State. So you do have U of ALR. You're going to play and Pine Bluff. You end the year. I'm not going to go down every single series, but you end the year hosting the team that's, I don't know, projected to win it all, Florida. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough. It's, this is a brutal schedule. Arkansas State on May 11th, by the way. I know someone's going to ask in Discord. Uh, I thought we had a game against Arkansas State, too. We do. That's going to be on, uh, again, that's May 11th. Nothing new, though. I mean, this is SEC Baseball 101. It's tough every year. I would argue it's tougher than football, and football's ridiculously tough in the SEC. But I think baseball, it's just this its this conference's best sport. Every year, you're projected to send multiple teams to Omaha. You're going to have, I don't know, 10 teams ranked in the top 25 at any given point during the season. 
I mean, it's just it's just ridiculous. Let's let's look at really quick the CBS Sports dot com rankings as it stands all the way up to Arkansas. Florida is unanimous number one. Remember, twenty twenty that is sixteen to one record. UCLA at number two. Texas Tech, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss. That rounds out your top five. Yeah, Ole Miss is ranked ahead of you. So is Mississippi State uh, and Louisville, who are at sixth and seventh. LSU at eighth. Virginia ninth. UC Santa Barbara. 11th, Arkansas ranked at number 12. So that rounds out your, uh, your, your top 12 there uh, for, for baseball, college baseball. So it's going to be a frustrating year because I'm sure COVID's going to rear its ugly head. I'm sure somewhere, and they're going to take precaution. I don't know how they're going to deal with the, with the postponements. I don't know how you deal with the postponements. I don't think they can because you're already crunching the schedule together as it is. So hopefully it doesn't happen. I don't know. I mean, basketball got hit pretty good, but football, you had a swell. No, I mean, they got hit in football too. So maybe not. I was going to say football was somewhat sturdy, but uh, as far as delays and, and postponements and what have you. But yeah, you, you end the year on May 22nd, the regular season. We'll see what they do. Obviously, you'll have a really good idea of how good Arkansas is by the time you play Florida. But uh Nothing new. Arkansas ranked in the top 25 along with 75% of the SEC in college baseball. So, um, all right. Cue the music. We're going to do Discord questions. First up, Austin. Um, And again, Kyle, I'll let you take this one. How do you feel about the baseball rankings? Snub or accurate? Hey, I'm... I'm fine with it. Like I said, we've got a lot to prove. That's great. We can hit balls out of the park all day, and we can have guys, uh, you know, catch pop flies. But how many runs are we going to give up? That's the thing. You know, how many are they uh, like? Are they going to hit them out of the park on when we're on defense? Like, so it's all about really what we do on the mound. That's going to prove a lot to me. Devin H. Two questions. I want to hear more about this gaming nerd Razorback content you were you were asked to do. And the second question is if spring football scrimmage scrimmage is somewhat open to the to the public, he says people, but uh, sounds very communist. To the people, to the people's stadium. <laughs> Will you guys go? Um okay, so the first question I'll just say this. I, I wasn't asked by anybody to do a gaming Razorback channel. I just I had brought it up before and then I had some people kind of come back to me about it and want to know if I do it. And look, I mean, I, I, right now I don't have time to do anything outside of what I'm doing right now. I mean, my God, it's, I'm kind of booked up. I may be down the road. I'll do it. I, I have been asked this by another person, a couple of other people in my DMS and on my live show. And, uh, well, someone had heard me talk about it on the live show and had DM me about it. So I, I yeah, I mean, down the road, we'll see if I could ever free up some time. And then as far as the football scrimmage is concerned, Kyle, I'm going to try and go if it's open. We'll see. I don't I don't know. I know you're down there in, in the uh, center, the, the center region of the state, but I'm going to try and go. I'd love to, but it's going to be really tough for me to. Um, if, I, if I have the means to do so, then yes, definitely. Yeah, it'd be cool. You know, the funny thing is, is uh, so far, I've never met Kyle in person. Cabo. <laughs> That's right. 
I've Keith. met Porter once. I've met Porter for like five minutes. Uh, my girlfriend and I were going to Bentonville for the weekend, and Porter just so happened to be working in that area. So we literally <laughs> we met at a gas station. Just said, "Hey, that's literally it." I have met yeah. uh, have met Jay, did, Jacob, and I did a live show a couple of years ago. Um, that's actually before. That was just when he was writing for uh, for yeah. the Hog Talk. And so, yeah, I've I've never officially uh, met Ty before in person. Yeah, we. Of course, Porter and I went to the women's games together, so we we've hung out. You know, we we went and ate lunch. Uh, but Jacob and I've met once. That's it. So yeah, I mean, it'd be cool if we could all go, but I I don't know. There's there's a lot of us, and not only that, we know that they're probably going to be limited. I don't even know if the scrimmage is going to be open. So who knows? Broham in our Discord wants to know: Is there any openings on the coaching staff that have not been filled? And last question. Uh, is expecting six or seven wins next year just wishful thinking? As far as coaches, I think they're all filled, yes, Kyle. They are filled. Yes, we're uh, we're completely. Unless we're talking about like maybe bringing on some. I don't think we have anywhere in the budget. I know that Alabama has like thirty thousand analysts. I don't think we have anything in like that in the budget, or at least compared to what we have right now. So, uh, yeah, the coaching staff is filled out. Six or seven wins, wishful thinking. I don't think so. I just, uh, I just don't. No. And I, I can't go that. I know that I've been, I've been uh, criticized for not pick. I mean, it's it's kind of weird, you know. When I do pick them, people get mad at me because apparently we have better luck when I don't. When I do my weekly picks, but um, I, I don't. I just don't see it, man. I don't know that we get to a bowl. I, I think that we are flirting with it. Maybe I, I think I'm probably right now going to go with five wins. But oh man, that's um, that that's a stretch, six or seven. But it's not. It's not unlikely but or i'm saying it's not impossible i would say it's unlikely so you wait so you think it's a stretch to get to six wins i think it is a stretch to get to six but it's a small stretch i'm gonna probably go with i would say i would say five right now okay i mean that's 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 grounded i mean i get it i i don't think i don't think that six is a stretch because you should have won four this year in what was the hardest schedule That's in true. the history of football. And I will say, I don't think that anybody's crazy for thinking that. Like last year when people were saying, oh, we'll get to six, five, and nah, dude. <laughs> Even though we yeah. had the chance, we did. We, you know, we should have definitely had the Auburn game, and some people would say the LSU, whatever. But, um, yeah. you know, we definitely surpassed. Everybody knows we surpassed expectations. But I, I wouldn't say anybody's crazy for thinking that. If if it's an uninterrupted offseason, you get time to develop – not just your 11 starters, but your 11 backups, yep. right? You get yep. time to implement more of your offense and your defense. Then, you know, we got to take it one time or one thing at a time. We still got spring camp to get through and then the summer quote unquote voluntary workouts and then fall camp. But I don't think it's a stretch. I'm not going to give out any too early expectations yet, but I don't think that's a stretch. Uh, maybe anything above that is. <laughs> so Trip wants to know, and this is a really good question. I love this question. Again, trip with knocking it out of the park. That's what this guy does on our Discord questions. FCS spring football is here, but should spring football uh, should should a spring football schedule be a permanent be permanent? I'm fumbling all over myself here. Be a permanent so these smaller schools can have a bigger spotlight. That is such. That's a great a, question. As all, I mean, trip's is, always bringing the heat. It's it's like. I'm all for it because it gives them attention, right? That's going to give them maybe even some dollar bills from TV from TV deals or something. I don't know. They're going to get more exposure from from TV. But then you talk about playing these, you know, Division One, the FBS, Power Five schools, the kind of money that they'd be turning down. You would never get that again. 
for a single game. I mean, some of these teams make, you know, I mean, they make over half a million dollars. So for some of them, that's like their almost their yearly budget. I saw one AD at a smaller FCS school mention this. You know, we're going to lose out on that revenue. So I, I don't, I don't know. I think it's good for the viewer. I think it's good for the consumer of that kind of content on television. It's great for us. I don't know how good it is for the FCS schools, though. I yeah, I think you hit it right there on the head. It's great for us because it's like, hey, we've got some spring football. It's like we got the the big guys in the fall. We've got guys. I, I wouldn't really say the little guys here, but you know, the FCS obviously a level under the FBS. And like you said, you lose that on all that money that their school, their universities depend so much on. But also, too, this is the point that I made this past summer when we were talking about it: is what are you going to do with the draft? You know, these guys are finishing up. The, now, their season might be done before the draft, but at the same time, you're playing at the same time that these other people are preparing, that are going to the combines, preparing and everything. So that's not something that is impossible to work around. But that is that does concern me, though, with the whole draft scenario is, you know, you have the combines in February while these guys are starting their seasons or at least maybe a couple weeks in. So my big question is, what are you going to do about that money that they usually get in the fall playing these bigger schools, and how are you going to work it around the NFL draft? Or at least working up to the NFL draft process. I know that by the time the draft happens, your season's probably going to be basically over if it's not already. But, yeah, man, what I mean, that's – that money is really, really um, dependent. You know, like that's that's a big part of their funding. So, yeah, it is. It's a it's a big deal. And that's that's a good question for yeah. so many different reasons. We can do a whole pod over that. You. We really could because I mean, there's so many different angles to that. You know, especially with these teams that are that are losing so much money from not playing the FBS, and uh, it's a it's a blow to, to their to their revenue. And uh, look, I mean. Football carries a lot of programs, even in the FBS. Imagine being a school in the FCS and not getting that opportunity to, to get a piece of that, right? So it's it's a tough one. Austin wants to know that, oh, God, don't even get me started on the, on the oversight committee recommending to extend the recruiting debt period again. I think it's stupid. That's what I think. I think it's stupid. Very stupid. Now, I, I, in all seriousness, like, you can go. You can go to a freaking restaurant in a lot of places. Here, no, you can, no, and nobody should be told if if somebody wants to welcome you into their house. Nobody should tell you. Now, I'm not saying throw a big party or something, but if you want to go <laughs> sit across from someone, uh, you know, they're on the mommy and daddy and recruit or on the couch, and you got a coach or two sitting on a chair across the room. Man, what does that matter? Who are you to say that you can't come in their house? I, I mean, exactly. I don't, and you know, we got all this stuff going on, and people in the, at the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl parties pre we saw on the news like when they were doing that a couple of days before and then afterwards man come on dude like that's just i I look i understand that like they're learning how to do it and i and i really do say i will say this that we'll probably end up especially when terms of a lot of people's work they'll be doing stuff virtually moving forward even when we get past all this stuff but it's just not the same you cannot form the same relationships as actually going into a living room and talking with them in person. Yeah, Zoom is great and everything. I use it every single day. Heck, we're using it right now. But mm-hmm. no, they, they, I think it's just hurting college football and college athletics in general. Well, it's really hurting programs like Arkansas. I mean, I know they yes. had a top 25 class. I realize that. I think some of that had to do with COVID. I think, you know, when you look at the, the amount of stars that we had this year, any other year, that's not good enough to be in the top 30. I mean, that's that's like a top 35, top 40 class. And I think, you know, we have, you still have kids that are, you know, 
still waiting to sign in other programs. We'll see because you know this thing can still adjust as we go. I hope hope some people realize that. But yeah, right now after the second February, the final uh, final signing period, yeah, you're top twenty five. Um, I think they actually finished twentieth or right right. I know maybe it was right right at twenty fifth according to two four seven. But imagine how much better I think they could have recruited had they been allowed in the homes of these players. And yeah, you can make that argument for other coaches and other programs, sure. But Sam Pittman, and I don't know how many times I've had to say this, that guy, like you've got to be up close in, in, in person with the guy. you got to be in the same room with him. He's not hes not a Zoom recruiter. He's not a virtual uh, uh, face uh, uh, FaceTime recruiter. That's not what he is. Although, again, you can make the argument, well, it worked this year. You got top 25. I get that. But I, I look at it from the other angle of how much better could he have recruited this in this class, you know, if if he was given that opportunity to actually get to meet these people, to meet these recruits, meet their families in the living rooms, to talk to mom and dad, to talk to big brother, little brother, you know, to to get to know him in person. Like how much how much of an impact do you think a guy like Sam Pittman would have in this scenario versus some of these other coaches? I'm telling you, I think it would have been a hell of a lot better. I think you probably could have had a unanimous top twenty. Uh, recruiting class again this is a good class but i and i'm with kyle on this i understand that they have dead periods throughout the year anyways i get that but you've completely taken the the coaches in the homes you've taken them out and the only people that this is helping are the programs like alabama alabama uh, uh, ohio state clemson florida that's all that's that's all who's who's benefiting from this this doesn't help programs like Arkansas. It doesn't help programs like Mississippi State, any of those kind of middle of the road in their conference kind of teams. So, yeah, I'm obviously against it. I hate it. I've hated it since the first one. I understood the first one that went all the way, I think, until August. I got that. We're trying to understand what's going on with COVID. I feel like now with the vaccinations and, and our better understanding of what's going on and our better awareness of how to deal with COVID and what to do and what not to do. I don't know why you couldn't have put an end to that. Maybe you could have said, okay, look, one coach can go and that's it. You can't have the offense coordinator and the defense coordinator go or your special teams coach who happens to be a really good recruiter. You can't do all that. Now one guy can go and you get to pick. They could have done something like that. You have to wear a mask at all times. Have to socially distance. You better keep a bottle of freaking Germex next to you. Like I understand that if you want to put those kind of regulations in, I get that. But I think you got to let these coaches back in the homes of these players. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I, all right. I'll shut my fat mouth up. Um, we do appreciate you guys. Like I said earlier, remember to rate and review the podcast. Leave, leave us a written review. We'd really appreciate it. Big game on Saturday. Mizzou. Got to win it. Well, I mean, you don't have to win it. I don't think if you lose this one, you're completely out of the tournament. That's not the case. You're just still going to have people questioning on when they're going to get that big win. That's going to be the fire must. Yeah. It's going to be trending for the the negative Nancy's out there. Um, You know, again, there's still, there's still a lot of basketball left to play. I will admit there's some games you cannot afford to lose. But um, yeah, all right, Kyle. I, I always do this at the end of every show. Have I have we missed anything? Are we forgetting anything? I feel like there's something else. Covered it. I think we got everything covered in right it? right under an hour too. Look at that! Right under. An bang hour. bang boom! All right, we do. We we love you all. We really do appreciate you, and we mean that when we say it. We're not just saying it. I promise you. Okay, I will be live on the post game show over on Pig Trail if you guys want to be a part of that. 
usually a few minutes after the game. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully Arkansas wins and uh, a bunch of bunch of people show up and we're all excited. We can celebrate together. If not, I don't know. I'll probably say something I regret later. We'll make it weird either way. All right, Woo Pig. We'll see you guys on the next one. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.